Tuscarora Lodge and Canoe Outfitters offers boundary waters and Quetico wilderness canoe trips, as well as lakeside cabins. A full-service canoe outfitter with direct access to several Boundary Waters entry points, Tuscarora is open year-round with three winterized cabins. Spend the night before your winter camping trip in one of our cabins for a comfortable place to pack and grab a good night's sleep before that early morning start. With easy access to Upper Gunsland Trail Fisheries, our cabins can be home base for your ice fishing adventures on Tuscarora, Seagull, and other lakes. If you're more of a relax in front of the crackling fire sort of winter traveler, we offer discounts on week-long winter stays. Discover winter on the Gunflint Trail at Tuscarora Lodge and Canoe Outfitters, 47 miles up the Gunflint Trail on Round Lake. More information at TuscaroraCanoe.com. Tuscarora is proud to support the Boundary Waters and this podcast. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experiences were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters, and it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue. Come the northern lights Oh, and in the deep dark blue Come the northern lights Welcome to episode 12 of the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Baxley. And I'm Joe Fredericks. It is December, and it's holiday time. And to celebrate one full year of this podcast 12 months yes full year this episode we are bringing in a couple of phenomenal guests uh who spent 12 months of full year in the boundary waters we're talking about of course matthew we're talking about dave and amy freeman the one and only and they'll be joining us today here on the December episode of the podcast. I'm thrilled to hear this conversation that you had with Dave and Amy. In keeping with the holiday season, Joe and I have come up with a little bit of a wish list uh, that of the gear that over the course of this year we've fallen in love with while doing the podcast. Some things that we got to use while recording and while adventuring in the Boundary Waters that we just really would like to have. It's a wish list with the hope, the holiday hope, that maybe some of this will land in your stocking. I'd love to see a solo canoe end up in your stocking this year. Yes. <laughs> Can it fit? <laughs> the, the key is getting a big enough stocking <laughs> for all this gear to fit in. So it's uh, that's going to be great, taking a look at the gear. And then we're also going to kind of wrap it all up this holiday episode with a look back at an original WTIP recording made by Dave and Amy Freeman during their year in the wilderness. It's recorded in December 2015 during the year in the wilderness, and it's a, a clip that we had that aired on WTIP, and we're going to hear that at the end of the episode, kind of a bonus uh, surprise. It's that present tucked behind the back of the tree, if you will. Oh, the one you didn't know was there, and then all the presents are opened, and you see it. <laughs> exactly, my mm, friend. That's the bonus. <laughs> well, before we get to that, though, uh, I'd really, I'm so anxious, curious to hear about this interview that you did with Dave and Amy, Matthew, because they are in December, and the winter of 2018-19, actually on a sailboat, on their boat, uh, sailing toward the Bahamas, and they were kind enough to stop and uh, pull into port and, and record uh, via Skype with you. Uh, 
a conversation, an update about what they've been up to, and, and hear some of the reflections from the year in the wilderness, including this holiday season that we're in now. So without further ado, let's head to the interview. I am very, very honored to welcome Dave and Amy Freeman to our 12th episode of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. You're about to hear two of the most well-known voices of the Boundary Waters, Dave and Amy Freeman. Thanks for joining us, you two. Oh, thanks for having us. We're excited. I know uh, a lot of people listening are familiar with who you are and familiar with uh, your voices. Uh, but for anybody who doesn't know who you are, would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Well, I'm my name's Dave Freeman, and um, I have been living in Cook County off and on uh, since the early 90s, um, and really think of uh, Cook County as home, even though I'm only there for probably about half the time. It seems like because we're traveling around a lot, but but uh, work as a canoeing guide in the summer and dog sledding guide over in Ely in the winter and started spending my summers working at Sawbill Outfitters uh, when I was in high school and all through college. That sort of was my connection to the Boundary Waters and, and Cook County. I grew up in Chicago, but just loved the wilderness. Um, and, and that was what drew me to northern Minnesota and just so many great people in the area, uh, along with the you know Lake Superior and rivers and lakes and woods and just can't imagine another place I'd want to live more. I'd like to imagine that even though you are only in Cook County digitally right now, that uh, it can be at least a sort of a homecoming for you to be on the podcast today. Definitely. What about you, Amy? Well, I guess uh, my story is pretty similar to Dave's, except I uh, started working and living in the area a little bit later, so like in the early 2000s, um, and my first job was at Hungry Jack Outfitters um, up the Gunflint Trail, and then the following summer after that, it was Superior Coastal Sports, Um, and for those of you who may remember, it uh, used to be in the the building that's now Stone Harbor, and... uh, yeah, I guess uh, the other, I mean, really everything Dave said is, is pretty much true for me too, except I didn't grow up near Chicago. I grew up in St. Paul. Um, so my draw to the area was coming up um, on summer trips with my parents when I was a kid. Wonderful. I, and I think we may come back to a little bit of that for both of you. But it is uh, the December episode of the Boundary Waters podcast, uh, which means holiday season. And we're going to talk a little bit about your holidays in the Boundary Waters. And you spent a significant amount of time in the wilderness, a year in fact. Um, and that includes uh, the full season with all the roller coaster of uh, experiences and weather that comes along with that. And I know both of you uh, have a deep uh, history of education, and uh, that's a skill set that you use in the work that you do. Is that something that you guys are still putting a lot of time into at this phase in your life? Yeah, I think, you know, at the moment, we are um, we left Lake Superior in August, and we spent the last few months sailing um, on a 27-foot sailboat built in 1984 called the Vancouver 27. It's a little, little sailboat, and um, so we sailed it out to Great Lakes, and um, out to the ocean, uh, down the Hudson River to New York City, and then we've been working our way down the coast, and we're in Florida right now, uh, headed to the Bahamas. So we're sort of, I guess, just taking a little bit of a sabbatical uh, right now, um, just sort of trying something new. And, uh, um, you know, we're still very involved with the campaign to save the Boundary Waters and, you know, working to protect the Boundary Waters, but we're just sort of taking a few months to to sort of recenter and um, figure out what's next. How has that been for you two? Uh, you call it a bit of a sabbatical, and I think that's a well-earned uh, respite from a lot of the work you've been doing. Um, how is that? How's it going for you two? It's interesting. You know, it's it's been 
lot of fun in many ways, and we've appreciated not having a strict schedule, you know, like mm-hmm. not needing to get to a certain place for a speaking engagement or book signing, um, that kind of thing. And also not having that obligation to, um, you know, write a blog post every night, produce content online. Um, but it's kind of funny, we do seem to slip into that a little bit, um, sort of the like, I don't know, online expedition mentality because uh, we, we enjoy posting stuff on Instagram and Facebook and um, kind of seeing people's reaction to it. So in many ways, people can still live vicariously through us. Mm. And, you know, if it's a little chilly there right now, you can see the, the palm trees and <laughs> sunsets and, and that kind of thing that we're encountering in Florida right now. But it's it's fun to to not have a strict uh structure you know not the strict schedule that that we have with all of our other ventures in the past so in the same way uh folks that uh stay on top of what you are up to can almost in a way have a little bit of a sabbatical along along with you yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's true and um we're also we're also writing another book with milkweed editions the same publisher that uh, published a year in the wilderness. Um, before we spent a year in the wilderness, we did a three-year, twelve-thousand-mile journey by canoe, kayak, and dog sled from Seattle up to the Arctic Ocean, and then down to Key West, Florida. And um, it was called the North American Odyssey. And mm. uh, and so we're we're in the process of writing a book about that journey. That sounds really exciting. And you're doing all that while uh, sailing uh, a ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we you know, we can sort of write a book from anywhere, right? So we don't need to be in Grammar A or in Ely or, you know, in a specific place. Like, so we'd sort of dreamed about, you know, heading out in our sailboat. And so we thought maybe this is the time to do it because we can, you know, write the book as we go. And I just want to be clear. It's not, it's not a simultaneous kind of thing. We're not like, (laughs) you know, all our sails up and we're heading down the East coast. And, and Dave's sitting there on his laptop typing or something like that. It's it's actually sort of like, you know, we focus on sailing and we might go, you know, for 24 hours or our last um, hop was 48 hours of sailing. But then when we get someplace and we have downtime, we're kind of waiting for our next weather window. It's the perfect time to just sit down and write. That sounds wonderful. You know, you are far away and considering you're in such a different climate, uh, but back here in Cook County, it's very much in full winter. It's actually snowing right now. With that in mind, um, I'm wondering if we could uh, transport back in time for the two of you, um, back to your year in the wilderness, to uh, the end of December. Uh, you spent um, the Christmas holiday out in, a, you know, I think it's safe to say our, all of our favorite place. Uh, can you uh, paint a picture for our listeners what it was like to have Christmas Eve, Christmas Day in the Boundary Waters? You know, it was pretty special. We were uh, camped on Horseshoe Island on Newfound Lake. It's on the chain of lakes from Moose Lake up to, to Basswood Lake. Mm-hmm. And um, and Moose Lake, which is was this entry point, was still not frozen. I mean, you know, it was partially frozen and partially open water, really not not navigable. Um, and so, yeah, we were totally cut off from the outside mm. world. And it, it was it was really neat because, you know, there was open water. Our campsite was the ice edge, so we really were, like, stuck. I think uh, thanks to the many people that were looking out for us and sending in special treats with resupplies, we, we did have a, a pretty good... Um, Christmas feast in store. Someone uh, gave us like a really yummy trout dip kind of thing. Mm. And um, I had asked for like the supplies to make sandbuckles. I don't know if you're familiar with those. Uh, It's similar to like a shortbread consistency and it's almond flavored. And you make it by um, pressing a pretty stiff dough into these little tins um, that give it kind of a, it's almost like a a really mini pie crust, you know, like a a pie crust that's what, an inch and a half in diameter or something like that. Um, And so I mixed up the dough and um, had to kind of experiment to cook it because we had our our wood stove in our tent. Um, And so I 
kind of alternated from like below the stove um, to get heat uh, that way. Um, and that's kind of a safer way to bake things so they don't burn. But then uh, to really make sure they were cooked all the way through, I did like put them on top of the stove kind of briefly. The days are so short that all this time in, in the tents and the darkness and stuff is the perfect project to have. Um, but we also worked on, on decorating our campsite, which maybe seems a little odd. Mm, do that not at all. Waters. Not um, at all. but like making luminaries you know out of out of ice yeah and um so for the the christmas lights they were solar powered christmas lights like short strands of that um which we ended up decorating our tent with <laughs> and uh and also we made some luminaries and we had some good cold temperatures as i remember um because they froze up really fast mm. um and so then I forget how many we made. It was quite a few, maybe eight or so. And we we put those around our tent. Um, So it was really pretty festive. Yeah, and actually a couple days after Christmas, everything really froze over well enough that we could start traveling. And um, we moved camp just a couple miles, really enjoying the Christmas lights and the the globes. Uh, And there was this uh, really nice ash swamp about 100 yards from our campsite. So we had gathered all this really nice, like, dead, dry ash. Mm. And so we ended up loading this, like, extra ash and the uh, luminaries. And, and we didn't really fully unpack up our tent. We just took it apart and laid it down on top of our toboggans. And, and uh, so we, we could move camp and then set it back up with all the Christmas lights still <laughs> on it and the luminaries so that it would be there for uh, for New Year's as well. So you didn't have to stop your celebration. You just made it transportable. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We just, we just, we just took it with us and then kept on celebrating. And, um, well, I think there's something about, I mean, I'm sure other people kind of feel this too, when there's so much darkness, uh, mm. during this time of year, it's really nice, the lights. Um, so I think it, it was kind of more than just being in the, in the spirit of Christmas. It was, it was really, uh, realizing that that we liked having the lights kind of twinkling outside of our tent (laughs) so we wanted to keep that going it sounds really comforting the way you describe it yeah it was yeah you know it was we really looked forward to holidays and sort of special events like that because you know we had so much time to sort of think and reflect and i mean we were busy like you know documenting things and and to uh, you know, writing and sharing information with people, and but but I think these these holidays took on a special meaning because you know we really missed friends and family. You know, we couldn't just get together with people on these holidays, and so we really used them as a time to to sort of think about and share stories about you know holidays past that we'd spent with loved ones, and and also just a lot of time you know talking about, oh, we should make this or, you know, we should, whatever. Right. Uh, a lot of time thinking about the food that we would prepare for for Christmas or Thanksgiving or, or, you know, a birthday or whatever it was. You know, food is really kind of one of the, the ultimate ways to celebrate the holidays. Uh, and and it's, it's uh, that in addition, I always think of that as a, a comforting thing, you know, what you're going to cook and that's so nourishing and how that's, interwoven with memories um and i'm curious if you two have any christmas traditions that you carry with you that you brought into the boundary waters and manifested while you were in that time together well i guess uh really for me doing making the sandbuckles was was my main thing my grandma would typically make Oh gosh, I don't know, at least like a dozen different kinds of, of Christmas cookies. I mean, she would spend the whole month leading up to Christmas working on um, sandbuckles and kaka and rosettes and all sorts of amazing mm. sweet treats. And uh, so I was uh, definitely missing her for that Christmas, um, yeah. not only because we were in the Boundary Waters, but uh, that was actually um, the first Christmas after she had passed away. Oh. So I really um, wanted to make that kind of re- reconnection with her and, and family. So um, sandbuckles seemed the easiest cookie to manage out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> practically and very um, meaningfully, it sounds like uh, she got to be there with you in a way. But uh, I, mean, I didn't realize this, it was just the two of you for for the holidays. Is that right? Um, Steve Pragus and uh, 
our friend Willie Vosberg, both from Ely, about a week before Christmas, they had to haul the motorboat up over over ice and mm. break through ice with the motorboat and then get it open water and back and forth. So yeah, we were we really had the wilderness to ourselves. It was it's probably one of the hardest times of the year. Probably was the hardest, sort of between uh, Thanksgiving and and New Year's. Um, just the cold and the challenging travel conditions. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was our favorite time just because we were learning new skills, you know, hauling the canoe um, over the ice, yeah. um, glare ice, and using an axe to check the depth and, you know, getting in and out of the canoe from the ice. You know, just really problem solving and doing things we had never done in the Boundary Waters before, mm. even though we'd spent many years guiding winter and summer, but just not during that transition. So, right. Uh, it was a really neat time to be out there. And, and re- I mean, you said it perfectly. That's a time in the wilderness that few people ever see. And uh, you were committed to being there through that. Uh, and and the wilderness gave you a, one heck of an experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. Well, that reminds me of something that I've been curious about for you guys for the two of you, so you you had this year in the wilderness, and you have this deep um, history with the Boundary Waters. So at this point, do you still go on casual recreational trips? You know, like uh, like some of us. You know, oh, it's we got a few free days. Let's go and head in. Do you guys still do that, or has it changed for you? You know, we haven't done that in a long time because we take people on three, four, five, seven-day canoe trips um, or dog sledding trips. But it it's pretty rare that we just go out, hey, let's just grab a permit and go out. Um, we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it just it doesn't happen very often, you know. But, do you miss it, either of you? Well, I think at, at this point I certainly do um, because we're having these these memories, like just hearing from people as, as lakes have frozen up and you're getting you know a couple inches of snow here and there i just uh i love that time of year um you know it's a time when the the mosquitoes are gone (laughs) it's all about uh just kind of staying warm warm and cozy based on what you're wearing and uh it's just it's a fun way to to camp um to have a heated tent and uh I think a really special time to be out in the wilderness because uh, not as many people are out there. You know, if you head into the boundary waters on snowshoes or cross-country skis hauling a toboggan or, or, you know, going in with a couple dogs or something, it's it's really a great time to be out there in the winter. Indeed. You're described, like, once you go in, and you have uh, an experience connected with that time of year, um, I feel like those memories start to call you back. And I feel like that's what you're describing, Amy, as the memories calling you back. And I'm, I hope that uh, that call is answered at some point um, and you get to have some of those visits. It's interesting because you have devoted so much of your time and energy um, into this sort of advocacy relationship with the Boundary Waters and some of your, you've set some of your personal uh, relationships with the Wilderness Society, it sounds like, as you've sort of taken on a new role um, as advocates for our wilderness. And um, I'm wondering if you'd like to share any updates to the advocacy process um, with our listeners uh, that you think would be important for people to know about the the state of protection uh, for the waters. Sure. Um, So, you know, this is sort of a challenging time right now uh, because the um, the Trump administration uh, they 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 stopped. A, there was a two-year study that was going on, and it was um, about to be completed. It probably would have been, you know, the report would have been released about now. But a couple months ago, they they decided that study would just be stopped without completing it, even though it was almost complete, um, and no, no public, you know, comment was allowed. Um, the, the report, if there was a report, was never released, so no one saw it, um, and they basically um, are are moving forward with allowing um, mineral leasing with 
within the watershed of the boundary waters. Uh, and, and so this is very troubling. And um, so this is really an important time to, to push back. Um, and, you know, the campaign to save the boundary waters um, and the whole coalition of, of businesses and nonprofit organizations um, are, are working together to try and stop this from happening. But, um, you know, there's a lot of positive things there that are going on as well, though. There, um, there's a relatively new uh, group called Kids for the Boundary Waters that mm-hmm. was started in this summer. And uh, they were just in Washington, D.C. They had over 40 uh, youth, um, high school students from across the country, uh, many from Minnesota, uh, but, but from, from all over. And they spent several days out in D.C., you know, meeting with elected officials and, and explaining to them, you know, why the Boundary Waters is so important to them. And also, you know, hammering home that, hey, you know, it's not okay that you just terminated this this study um, and and sort of took scientific review off the table. Um, that is that is not a good thing, um, and and you're really letting us down. And um, so you know there there's a lot of good work still going on, but um, we've got a got a tough road ahead of us, um, and it's really important that we we you know continue to um, remain vigilant and contact our elected officials and government agencies and, and, you know, keep telling them sulfide or copper mining, this is, you know, North, Northern Minnesota is not the place for this type of activity. Um, you know, our water is too precious and we can't, can't let this, this happen. Thank you for sharing that update. Uh, Dave, do you have anything to add to that, Amy? Well, I think that Dave covered it pretty well. Um, I guess I'd just like to add with the kids for the Boundary Waters, Dave and I are on the board of, of that new project, and it, it's kind of under the umbrella of, of the campaign to save the Boundary Waters. So we're really excited to be involved with that. I think, um, you know, these young people bring a whole new energy to it, and uh, in many ways uh, they can... I don't know. They're they're almost better advocates than we are mm. <laughs> for the wilderness um, because they're they're looking at this as uh, you know like this is what we're inheriting from you guys yeah. and and we don't want this to happen. So you know protect the wilderness for for us for the next generation. Um, so I think it's a really um, powerful thing and I'm just really excited to see what comes from them. Yeah, and I'd also like to add that um, you know I, I'm. I'm sure that Kids for the Boundary Waters is going to be planning um, future uh, trips to D.C. So, you know, I think it would be great if we could get some young young folks from Cook County to to uh, to join um, and and uh, you know help advocate for the Boundary Waters. So, you know, if any of our listeners would be interested, you can just go to kidsforthebounderywaters.org uh, to learn more about about what they're doing and how you can get involved. I think you have officially put the call out to uh, listeners all over the country as well, Dave, um, to jump on board and to speak for the wilderness and to speak on behalf of their experiences. And I I think you were kind of describing this well, Amy. These young people, um, they're speaking for the future and they're speaking for what is to come. And they are the most... um, the most relevant voices in the conversation. So uh, consider that call officially laid on the table. Um, Excellent. And, uh, you know, it's interesting reflecting back, you know, this podcast uh, is officially after December, one year in the making. um, And I think half of our stories have been uh, stories of young people. And we're really proud of that. And I can tell that you're really proud of that. Um, And so, you know, this as going into this holiday season, that's worth celebrating. And uh, if you want to channel that celebratory energy, uh, you, I think you guys put it out there perfectly. You know where to go and how to get involved and uh, speak for the wilderness. Um, and on that note, I want to thank you both so much for joining us on the podcast, for sharing your stories. For many people, the two of you are heroes. Um, and, um, you give a lot of inspiration to the rest of us. And I want to thank you for that. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks for, for having us on. We, we miss Cook County a lot. And, uh, and this is a fun way for us to connect while we're gone. 
And we'll continue streaming WTIP on our boat. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you to you both and safe travels on your journey. And Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas Merry too. Merry Christmas to you too. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Ah, uh, Matthew. Merry Christmas, indeed. So extraordinary to hear from Dave and Amy Freeman. I've had some people asking me, you know, when are Dave and Amy going to make an appearance on your podcast? We've been kind of holding out, if you will, until this episode. So uh, that was a fantastic interview, discussion with them, and, and great to hear from them during the holiday season. Yeah, and it's a, it's an amazing season right now, this month of December. Not only do we have Christmas, but we've got Solstice, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. And no matter what holiday you're celebrating, we hope that you're celebrating it with good people, uh, friends and family, and with good memories from the Boundary Waters. Uh, and so it's the, you know, holidays are times for giving gifts. So let's talk about <laughs> gifts. <laughs> Indeed, my friend, let's talk about some gifts. And we've got a few things. You and I went and did some ice fishing uh, after Thanksgiving 2018 here very recently. And as we were driving down the Gunflint Trail, we were talking about some stuff that perhaps we were hoping we might obtain at some point in the next year. And uh, so our holiday wish list uh, includes, for me, perhaps near the top of the list, a better fishing net. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, how, what's an improved fishing net, Joe? Explain that to folks who maybe don't know the spectrum. Sure, I've got this old school, I mean, think of the most basic fishing net, you know, that you could ever obtain anywhere. You know, it's the basic aluminum metal frame and then thread that if you're landing a walleye or, you know, northern in particular is the worst because they thrash, they circle, roll in the net. Then your treble hook or the fish itself becomes tangled in this yeah, you net. you got gills and, and fins all over the place. It's problematic, but it's small and it's easy to portage, and I, I've just had it because I have it kind of thing. I'd love to get one of these rubber fishing nets. Uh, I, there's no reason why I haven't just anted up and gotten this, but it's on my wish list. I w I'd love to have a better fishing net. And these rubber nets are so awesome because you don't, they pretty much eliminate the tangle, right? That's yes. the whole idea. That's what I need to get rid of. Whether it's ice fishing in the winter, canoe fishing in the summer, this would improve your experience exponentially. I'm hoping to get a fishing net in 2019. I, I think you may, Joe. <laughs> How about you? What are you after this holiday season? You know, I, I, I really am a very privileged person. I've got, I've got four canoes. Uh, yeah, I've got a Kevlar... Uh, Winona Spirit 2, I've got a Royal X, uh, Winona Tamarack, got a couple of Alumacrafts. Um, with all that, though, I would love a solo canoe. Oh, indeed, sir. You know, it, and it could be Kevlar, uh, it could be uh, Royal X. I think Royal X, I could probably uh, endure a, a little more river paddling that way, but the the ability to just... Sometimes you can't, you don't have a canoe buddy. Sometimes you can't find another paddler and you just want to get out there. And, and I've soloed in my tandem canoes and it works, but I'd, I'd really like the vehicle of independent paddling All right. this year. Yeah, cool. Well, that's a, it's a reasonable and uh, totally understandable why you would want that. And, and perhaps it, it will find itself in your yard someday. And you know what really got me? stirring about this was the interview with the 800 day paddler that guy's talking about solo travel in the boundary waters was very motivating and inspiring from episode 11 absolutely well here i'm i'm looking at my list now matthew my eyes are just growing wider as i stare <laughs> at it uh, the the hawk ski ah from altai skis the altai ski hawk ski from episode two of the podcast we use these um we had uh, some outfitters, Sawtooth and Stone Harbor, gave us some skis here where we obtained them and, and traveled into Winchell Lake. Seven miles, to be specific. That's a lot of ground to cover in the Boundary Waters on skis. And it was uh, we had a learning process along the way, but I think it's safe to say that without 
the hawk skis, that trip would not have been as successful and or enjoyable as it was. Those things just move so smoothly across the ice and through the snow. And if anybody hasn't seen them, they're a combination uh, snowshoe and ski. Works with any hiking boot, universal binding. And, uh, you know, one could argue that uh, those skis or maybe a pole potentially saved your life. On that note, let's hear a clip from episode two where we use some hawk skis. For one, the hawk ski is, I would say, an essential thing. It's, it's Most definitely. To get across the lakes and cover some ground, you need a ski of some sort, and I would recommend these because they're very versatile for some powder or you know, kind of just some light drift-type snow, hard-packed yep. snow. You can move efficiently. Yeah. Um, on the portage, though. What? Was there any reason you have, Joe, to believe that maybe those skis aren't great for portages? <laughs> well, there's a few. First of all, I had a hard time going uphill with them. I mean, yeah. let's just get that out. Tra- getting traction is hard. Yeah, and you're pulling a sled behind you, a toboggan. Yeah, I gear. think we neglected to say that we, through the entire trip, were both hauling toboggans that carried all of our essentials for the trip. Yep. So we've got all our gear out here. We used hawk sleds to cover 95% of the terrain that we covered. Pulling toboggan sleds, which had gear from ice fishing gear and auger to this tent, sleeping equipment, cooking equipment, uh, cots, break to fold up cots, the essentials for winter camping. Yep. And uphill, it was hard on the skis to go uphill on the portage pulling the toboggan. Downhill presented its own problem. I, I soon found out on, on the second portage, the first portage with any hills of any kind, any elevation change. I, I think it's fair to say you learned how fast a toboggan can travel going downhill. So I'm going downhill. Essentially, uh, if you would imagine downhill skiing, I'm skiing down this this ridge line on the portage. And all of a sudden, the toboggan that's I'm pulling behind me is moving faster than me, <laughs> and it comes up and it clips me Wham! at the knees. And fortunately, I can joke about this because it could have gone an entirely different direction very quickly. The trip would have been changed. I would have broke my leg. I mean, there's... But something else broke instead. So my trekking pole, ski-type pole, bent in half. It 90 didn't break. degrees. Yeah, but it bent straight up. Ben, mm-hmm. and uh, that could have been my leg. That's what we were saying. That could have easily been my leg. You know, all this talk of winter, winter camping, winter travel, reminds me of another item on my Christmas list, my wish list, my gift list. Um, was a snow trekker tent. Oh my goodness! This is what we stayed in during that trip to Winchell Lake. Uh, we got it from Sawtooth Outfitters. It was everything that we hoped it would be, and and even more. It was, it made the trip. I mean, we were. Just, it was thirty-one below zero when we left Matthew to start this trip, and we had the snow tracker tent, and we've been just pretty much. At least I know I have been dreaming of it ever since. If you really love somebody, to <laughs> give them the gift of warmth in the winter, is probably one of the most um generous things you can <clears throat> give somebody yeah are you uh yes I'll, I'll assume the clearing of the throat is because of this uh cold weather symptoms that you have not uh, not, not a hint <laughs> <laughs> exactly hey well you had the uh the privilege actually to speak with the ceo the founder uh Dwayne loading of snow trekker tents in episode three of the podcast indeed and uh this here clip as Dwayne explains a little more about snow trekker tents the uh, winter tent experience said it, it's not really winter camping. It's it's not really camping. It's it's living outdoors in the winter time because you add that heated tent element to the equation. You know it's sustainable. If you had supplies, et cetera, I mean you can stay out there indefinitely. Where with the cold camping model, there's a degradation of both you and your equipment day mm. by day. Well, as we 
are in the midst of winter here, of course, now on the December episode of the podcast, episode 12 of the podcast. Uh, we're talking a lot about winter gear here, skis and hot tents and so forth. But, you know, there's a, an interview we did in episode six of the podcast with a gentleman by the name of Joe Fleming, who invented something uh, called the Voyager Camp Stove. And Matthew, this has been on my list since meeting Joe. He actually visited us here at WTIP and showed us a model. In fact, he donated one to the station uh, that we used in our membership drive and gave to a, a listener member of the radio station here. Uh, of course, I had it in, you know, in the corner of my eye the whole time, but <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for me. And so 2002, I bought a single burner backcountry stove. That uh, I was a sophomore at University of Montana, Missoula. Every, you know, we were going backpacking. I bought my first camp stove. I've been using it ever since. The single burner. Yep. Single pot. and It's been reliable. It works great still. I mean, this is a long time ago now, obviously, and it still works. But the double burner I, I, and this way that uh, Joe has, you know, created this for canoe country travel. It's a, it's a double burner stove specific for canoe country travel. This is either one or two on my wish list, certainly, this year. And uh, let's hear a little bit more from Joe as he explains what the Voyager camp stove is. We could have gone with a little backpacking stove. We tried those, but we just didn't like cooking in the dirt. Yeah. And bending down and uh, single pot. We're not into uh, freeze-dried, boil-and-serve stuff, so we like the fresh food. And so we were kind of married to that double burner stove. And it was the last thing in our pack that added a lot of weight and a lot of volume. And so I was sitting in my uh, basement one day and I like see a piece of aluminum over there. So I'm like, oh, I could make something a little bit, uh, a lot lighter and thinner in profile so it would pack much easier. So the next year when we came up, I had this four pieces of aluminum. I actually brought electrical wire up, drilled some holes in there wired this thing together, dropped in a couple burners, and it worked. You know, Joe, I imagine with that stove, uh, you need two burners because you got to have your fish in on one burner and then your side dish on the other. <laughs> and, and, you know, it makes total sense that you, especially more than anybody I know, would need two burners. Well, we shall see what happens in 2019 if I'm fortunate enough to get my hands on a Voyager camp stove. You know, speaking of 2019, this leads me to my final wish uh, this holiday season. So one year ago, almost today, we heard from, I would say, two of some of maybe the most um, exciting uh, characters that we've had on the podcast, and uh, that was the Germans. The Germans. Gabby and Warner came all the way from Germany to go skiing up the Gunflint Trail, and it was episode one of the podcast. The original. My wish is to get to see them. Uh, you did that interview, and the, all uh, I, can I can imagine how wonderful it would be to spend time with these two people, their energy and their excitement, especially for the Boundary Waters and for the North Country. So my wish, my final wish for, for this holiday season is to get to see them all right well we will see time will tell certainly matthew and as we wind down episode 12 here and and we've completed a, a year of the podcast um i think that it, this would be something hopefully our listeners enjoy matthew uh maybe people aren't even familiar now it's been a few years for even people that live on the north shore or can pick up the wtip airways at home but Dave and Amy Freeman, during their year in the wilderness, were sending weekly updates to the radio station via satellite phones. People would take back uh, cards that had recordings on them, and we were airing those here at WTIP. And the one that we want to share with you next was recorded December 21st, 2015, in the Boundary Waters. It's Amy Freeman, and we'd like to share that with you now. Happy winter solstice! Greetings from Newfound Lake. This is Amy Freeman reporting on our 90th day of a year in the wilderness. Can you believe that Dave and I still have our canoe? 
It seems like the transition to winter will never end as we wait for the lakes to entirely freeze. After waiting out a warm spell on Ensign Lake, we decided to make a move to Newfound Lake, which brings us closer to the Moose Lake entry point. The time when we expected to trade in our canoe for toboggans and sled dogs has come and gone. I'll tell you about our move to Newfound. It was last Wednesday. We woke up early, eager to pack up and be on the move. Big fluffy snowflakes started falling as we loaded our canoe on the frozen surface of Ensign. Pulling the canoe was easy enough, since not much snow had accumulated yet. As we approached the west end of Ensign, we had a decision to make. Winter portage or summer route through mini rapids? We had hiked the winter portage the other day. It was flat but kind of lawn, and through boggy spots that were still unfrozen. We decided to take the summer route. As we neared the open water at the top of the channel between Ensign and Splash, we walked on the rocks along shore and pulled our canoe over the thin ice until it splashed into the water. We hopped in and had a short 200-yard paddle. Dave and I marveled at the novelty of paddling in a blizzard. After the swift moving water of the riffle, the current died down and ice reappeared. A beaver swam in this bit of open water. To get back onto the ice, we rammed our canoe up onto it near shore. The bow popped up and slid onto the thick ice. I gingerly stepped out. The ice held my weight and I pulled the canoe up far enough for Dave to clamber forward and then out of the boat. Looking back toward Ensign, all I could see was white. The snow was falling fast. Several inches had accumulated on splash. We briefly regretted our amphibious maneuver as the new snow promptly froze to the wet bottom of the canoe. We unloaded the canoe and used our paddles as scrapers to get the wet, slushy snow off. After loading quickly and taking a running start, we were able to get our canoe moving again. There was definitely more resistance, but we made good progress pulling the canoe to the winter portage between Splash and Newfound. Here we carried the two heaviest packs across. For our second trip across the portage, we towed our semi-loaded canoe behind us. We managed to haul the canoe across part of Newfound Lake without getting mired in slush. We selected a campsite on a small island just east of Horseshoe Island. This is where the reliable ice ends. Open water lay just beyond the narrows on the north and south sides of Horseshoe Island. We can't make our way any farther to the west from here on top of the ice. Our day wasn't done after setting up the tent and finding some firewood. We had received word that Steve Paragus was going to try to travel by boat across Moose and Newfound Lakes. So we trekked over to the edge of the ice, and after waiting a while, we could hear the distant hum of a motor. Steve, Willie, and Donna, the English bulldog, greeted us as they ran the boat up onto the ice and climbed out. They were our first visitors in over a month. We sure were excited to see them. After chatting for a while, they had to head back so they could get in before dark. Apparently, there was a stretch of ice they had to pull the boat over. We said goodbye and returned to camp to sort out our loot. In addition to seven days' worth of our ordinary food, they delivered fresh fruits and vegetables. I thought my taste buds were exploding as I ate a massive juicy apple. Oh, it tasted so good. There were oranges, peppers, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, and cucumbers. We devoured these fresh vegetables and fruit over the course of the next couple of days. Big thank you to Steve for thinking to bring those for us. Although it was a little early, it sure felt like Christmas. We've saved some treats for the actual day, including homemade fudge. I've managed to make my favorite Norwegian Christmas cookies, sandbuckles, and we're even decorating our tent with some ice luminaries. So even though we're out in the boundary waters, we've got plenty of holiday cheer. We especially are glad for the solstice, because the days will start getting longer. So, happy holidays and happy solstice from Amy and Dave on Newfound Lake in the Boundary Waters. I think that was one of the coolest uh, Christmas cards, uh, holiday cards, I guess, solstice even. Uh, from Amy Freeman, looking back uh, on her memories from 
their time in the wilderness. Uh, magical place, most certainly to be for the holidays. Um, and it's our pleasure for you folks that we love and depend on our listeners to get to t- transport you to the wilderness this holiday season. Uh, that's, I think, if there's anything, that I hope that can be our gift to I everyone. Think, yeah, absolutely. Well said, Matthew. And on that note, now we're going to be moving into 2019. The podcast is alive and well. We've done one full year. Now, you are you are with us on this journey, and we've made it through this entire year, 12 full episodes. So as we move into the new year and the new episodes, uh, we've got some great stuff lined up, but it really begins with you, the listener. That's where a majority of these stories that you heard, the 12 episodes, came from emails, people contacting us, uh, phone calls, and saying, here's a story you might find interesting. Perhaps you could talk with... Uh, these people this group that's going out so please contact us with any story ideas you have either your personal stories or someone you know you can email your ideas your feedback to bwcapodcast at gmail.com and we also have a phone number you can call if you just don't want to take the time to type things out or you want to hear joe's voice (laughs) outside of the podcast you can call him yeah, you can call the radio station here, uh, please. In Grammaray, the number is 218-387-1070. So again, 218-387-1070. Just call. It's the radio station here, WTIP. Just ask for Joe, and we'll get you... Uh, well, I'd love to hear your story, and uh, we get that included in the next episode, an upcoming episode of the podcast. We really have had some amazing contributions, uh, even a few podcast takeovers. And, uh, I mean, it filled a year. And so much so that we had to have uh, bonus short tracks at different times throughout the year just to get all the stories out. Uh, and and we particularly love hearing directly from you guys. I also want to send a big thank you out to our sponsors. Uh, th- these sponsors are what have allowed us to um, have the funding to keep this going, to use the studio and uh, to have the support of WTIP. So thank you to all of all of our sponsors. Including today's sponsor, Tuscarora Lodge and Canoe Outfitters, located up the Gunflint Trail. Uh, big thanks to them for today's episode. And uh, just, we've done it, Matthew. 2018, 12 episodes. 12 episodes, <laughs> holiday season, good feels all over, <laughs> and there's snow on the trees. It doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> all right, so until the next year, happy holidays happy from holidays. the Boundary Waters. <laughs> I just sing when I paddle in Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true We're gonna get through to the other side Out in the night the waves beat the shore You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar Roll me, rock me in my dreams You can roll me, rock me in my dreams So I like to sing, I love to dance Play the fool if I got the chance All around the campfire light